From the Center for the Advancement of the Steady State Economy, this is The Steady Stater, a podcast dedicated to discussing limits to growth and the steady state economy. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brian Check, and today we'll be exploring plastic bags, McMansions, and 20% off everything always. 10 Mysteries for Steady Staters. I guess we might classify this episode as social commentary. We're not dealing with academic issues today or policy questions either, not directly at least. Today we inquire why, for example, every other plastic bag has a hole in the bottom. And how did Hummers ever happen? Now I'm not exactly Dave Barry, you know, the guy that wrote, I'll mature when I'm dead. But everybody needs a chuckle now and then, even steady staters, right? So why not now? We haven't really tried a comedic approach yet on the steady stater. One time I tried to get a guy into steady state comedy. See, he did comedy gigs on the side and the idea was to develop an act, an act or a character, something to the effect of the growth at all costs economist or Kuznet's crazy cousin or even just the deranged economist. He never gave it a try. I figure it can't be that hard. (laughs) Not that whatever humor might be forthcoming will have you rolling in the aisles. I mean, this ain't slapstick here on the steady stater. See, the ten questions here, well, maybe minus one or two, which I'll explain later, but the ten questions here, while not entirely serious, aren't purely ridiculous either. So, for example, number one, why does every other plastic bag have a hole in the bottom? I know, I know, they're supposed to have holes so little kids don't end up suffocating, right? At least, that's the answer you'll find online. I don't buy it, do you? That would only be a good answer if every plastic bag had holes. But no, remember the question here, why does every other plastic bag have a hole in the bottom? Yes, studies indicate the ratio is precisely 50-50. At least my studies do. This ratio applies within and among outlets such as Walmart and the dollar store and even Goodwill. Is it simply a matter of shoddy production? I mean, that would make sense in the world of plastics. Yet I suspect the reason is a bit more insidious. These plastics manufacturers want you spilling things usually unawares for some period of time, because oftentimes the spilled upon item is also made of plastic, and given enough leakage, you want to go out and get a new one. You know what I'm talking about, that plastic waste basket that's seen grease, slime, and mold beyond its years, thanks to those leaky plastic bags. And of course, the problem of the leaky bags is so widely known at this point in history that at the cash register, cashiers get into the habit of doubling up those plastic bags and voila, bag sales have roughly doubled. So no, it's all about the bottom line. And besides, when's the last time you saw a kid with a plastic bag over the head? They're too busy with other plastic toys like guns and knives and hummers. 
Oh boy, I guess that brings us to Hummers right away. How did those things ever happen? I mean, did we go out of our way to introduce the most gas-guzzling, ugliest, wasteful, internationally repulsive entity possible? Not only onto our highways, but into our city streets, parking lots, and residential parking areas? Oh yeah, I know that resonates. This fat pig on wheels gets an estimated 10 miles per gallon. And of course, if that's what the sticker says, that means it's, let's see, 10 divided by 2 equals 5 miles per gallon. Not that the drivers of Hummers would give a holy hoot. In fact, I'm guessing the type of driver that would parade around town in such a symbol of wanton waste would be heavy on the accelerator taking that gas mileage down even further. Why the gas mileage is so low on a Hummer, some models run exclusively in reverse. If you let it idle while filling the tank, you can never leave the gas station. Some models come with a fully accessorized, genuine, articulating gasoline trailer. But no worries, folks. Electric Hummers will save the day. Pay no mind to that extra coal bunker at the power plant. I think they call it the Hummer bunker. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Well, speaking of power plants and coal, whatever happened to turning out the lights? That'll work for mystery number three. You know, when I was a kid in boot camp, it seems like we were all trained to shut the light off upon vacating the room, the house, or the shed. It would have seemed weird not to. You're not using the room, and nobody else is. Why does it need any light? But by the time I got into office work, circa 1990s, I started noticing lights left on at an exponentially growing rate. At first, I thought there must be a really bad bout of, I don't know, shoulder arthritis going around or something, some, some kind of shoulder bug where people just couldn't lift their hand to the light switch anymore. But no, you'd see the same office dwellers lifting plastic bags up onto shelves, half the time with stuff leaking out the bottom, of course. It wasn't long until this this on-leaving of lights spread from office buildings to department stores, courthouses, factories, county parks, barns, and even dog houses and outhouses. Gripes, whatever happened to the conservation ethic? But I guess that brings us to number four. Sorry, folks, but we can't let those hummers off the hook just yet. So number four is... Why do we not see more activist bumper stickers on Hummers? I mean, not necessarily placed there by the driver. How about a bumper sticker that says, Bunk you and your grandkids? Or, I hashtag cancel polar bears. How about, honk if you like global warming gas guzzling pigs? Or maybe, don't like global warming? Get a bigger air conditioner. Or maybe, my other car is a Ford F-650 six-door pickup. Yes, those really exist, by the way. Or how about my business is putting buffet lines out of business? I mean, come on, man. We have kids running around getting into all kinds of mischief with graffiti and even vandalism. 
Why can't they be a little smarter about it and sneak some stickers onto these hulking heaps? Surely I jest. Hey, Rick, did we get those quotes from the bumper sticker company yet? Let's see, what do we have here for mystery number five? Oh, yeah, what was that whole McMansions thing about? Did anyone actually set out to saddle themselves with the cleaning of six or seven bedrooms, supersized and with vaulted ceilings? You just know something is wrong when you look out across the fields in... Oh, you pick a Virginia county like Fauquier, Culpeper, or Madison County, and you can spot dozens or even hundreds of these hayfield citadels replicating each other over hill and over dale. The prominence of each and every one, visible for miles apiece, brings to mind a quote from Thorstein Veblen in Theory of the Leisure Class. In order to gain and to hold the esteem of men, it is not sufficient merely to possess wealth or power. The wealth or power must be put in evidence, for esteem is awarded only on evidence. <laughs> but when the evidence is that every Tom, Dick, and Harriet possesses the wealth to display it in the hay fields of the Old Dominion, where's the esteem? I guess that's what the Hummers are for. Well, I don't know about you, but I think we need a short, non-commercial break with Rick Tibbetts. Hello, Steady Staters. At the Center for the Advancement of the Steady State Economy, we try to incorporate steady state principles and interject steady state thinking into a wide variety of topics, with diverse methods as well. The basic maxim behind today's episode is, if there hasn't been a joke about it, it probably hasn't been mainstreamed yet. The steady state economy is a heavy topic, but if you browse past articles at the Steady State Herald and its predecessor, the Daily News, you'll find plenty of examples of articles with just enough humor to take the edge off the steady state economy and humanize the topic for broad cultural uptake. Now, back to the show. Number six, what the heck are those perpetual growthers thinking anyway? I mean, some of them are just downright adamant that there is no, and I mean no, limit to either population or GDP. Never mind the congestion, noise, environmental pulverization, and the competition for Lebensraum that comes with the efforts toward ongoing growth. What about the absurdity of the raw math? I mean, last I heard, no limit means none, not a nessun kap keiner zilch ren nito genandi. This literally means, then, that we could have a 999 quintillion, 999 quadrillion, 999 trillion, 999 billion, 999 million, 999,999 dollar economy. Now, that's a lot of dollar stores. And it's right on the verge of a thousand quintillion and headed for a sextillion dollar economy. But just think about this for a moment. Unless your per capita consumption is going to be in the quadrillions. And mind you, this is all adjusted for inflation here today. You'll need trillions of people on the planet. That's right. Those are the multipliers. You'd need a per capita consumption in the quadrillions to have that 999, etc. 
So what's the plan here? If you, we have to have trillions of people on the planet, what are we going to do? Dump the old human bodies in the river and stack the brains into neurally connected community brain towers reaching up to the sky? What kind of life is that anyway? Frankly, I think we're better off with limits to growth. Nothing wrong with limits. If it weren't for limits, what level would you have to achieve to feel fulfilled? What are we talking here anyway? Ecstasy ad nauseum? Why, that's an oxymoron if there ever was one. Oh boy, oxymorons. Let's not get started on those. We had an entire episode once on buzzwords, oxymorons, and slippery shibboleths. Remember that? The worst of the best, or the best of the worst, depending on which way you're pointed, is so-called green growth. Unlike the tasty-sounding donut economy, the metaphor of green growth seems only to invoke the putrescence of certain fetid cheeses. That's fetid, not feta. Designed specifically for mold. I don't know about you, but another taste of green growth would have me heading for the green wastebasket. You know, the one with the holy plastic bags. As all wastebaskets have, or 50% of them at any given time. Nothing about that sounds any good at all, neither now nor when it's time to take out the trash. Let's see now, we have to have something in this episode about Kuznets curves. You know, the original one by Simon Kuznets simply said that, yes, a growing economy would cause greater wealth disparity, but only for a while. Then, after a certain level of GDP, or especially GDP per capita, Society would figure things out and the inequities would gradually disappear. It's like he was trying to transform the dismal science into a Pollyanna on estrogen. But economists bought it hook, line, and sinker. They bought it even though the lessening of inequities back in the days of Kuznets owed a lot more to the institutional adjustments during and after World War II than to any got religion moment in American society. But now we have Kuznets curves roaming the data sets like traffic cops looking for customers. That's how we wound up with the so-called environmental Kuznets curve, plus what I call the NRA's crazy killer Kuznets curve. You know, that's the one where, okay, more and more guns can result in more and more shooting deaths of innocent citizens. Basically, because more crazy killers have more firepower. But then, when guns are ubiquitous, there'll be plenty of good guys with guns to stop the bad guys with guns. So the shooting deaths of innocent citizens will decline. Sound fun? Now, sure, there's a tendency for the bad guys to have bigger guns and more ammunition and more surprising plans and so on. So this one seems like it's no more bound for success and the environmental Kuznets curve, which seemingly depends upon a lot of resurrecting of species that went extinct due to this or that economic sector. Ah, where's the question here, you ask? What's one of the 10 questions, one of the 10 mysteries for steady staters pertaining to Kuznets curves? Well, I guess the, the question here is, will there ever be a demonstrable bona fide Kuznets curve for anything? much less one with GDP on the x-axis. I doubt it, 
But since we're on to wistful notions that can be abused for profiteering purposes, we might as well move on to question number eight, which is, why do stores have permanent 20% off everything signs? Bed, Bath and Beyond Believable comes to mind with those monthly mailers that are as reliable as death and taxes. But a lot of stores have these signs affixed to their windows, you know. I guess they go with the 2020 rule. If they say everything is always 20% off, they can always get 20% of the suckers out there to believe it. Hopefully the rest of us will only push open the door long enough to yell, 20% of what? The original price you added 20% to in order to be able to take 20% off? Evidently with everything in the store? I think I'll start with the 20% chance I'd ever have shopped there to begin with and take that same 20% right off the table so I don't ever have to look at the place. By the way, if you're in the 20% that does go in there, please let me know. Is it true that the stuff gets cheaper as you get closer to the door? Well, while we're taking 20% off everything, I think we'll just obviate, eschew, and entirely evade a couple questions. That'll put us in at 20% less than an even 10, and seems to work pretty well, all things considered, don't you think? Well, that about wraps her up, folks. We went with some social commentary today on everything from those holy plastic bags to where those Hummers came from, all the way to the propriety, or lack thereof, of omitting Marxists from our amped up levels of political consciousness and correctness. I hope you enjoyed a brief respite as you await your COVID vaccination get sick from your recent one, or simply get impatient waiting for the entire rollout to achieve some reasonable level of herd immunity. But we can do it again sometime. Send me your questions. Questions of Steady Staters to Check at SteadyState.org. I'm Brian Check, and you've been listening to the Steady Stater Podcast. See you next time.